0: Luke twenty two fourteen through 23. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table, sitting among us, as a friend, is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? The disciples began to ask each other, which of them would ever do such a thing?
1: Glad you're here tonight. Tonight, we we gather not to celebrate an empty tomb or to marvel at an empty tomb, but we're here to reflect, and as Garrett says, to remember a blood-stained cross. Tonight is a reminder that before Easter comes, there has to be the events of Good Friday. It's a reminder that before the, re- the resurrection, there has to be death. Death has to come first, and so what we want to do is we want to intentionally remember the suffering and the sacrifice and the love of our Savior who, honestly, you guys, he took it for us. Like he took it for us, the full weight of sin on our behalf, on his shoulders, in our place. It is Good Friday. And and you think, what kind of name is Good Friday? It doesn't make any sense, does it? Because the events that happened on this night that we remember are not good. The reason Good Friday is called Good Friday is because Christ was good to us. And so it started with a meal. It started at the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples and his followers and his friends and his brothers. And what he does is he breaks a loaf of bread. And then he takes Some wine, and he pours it into a cup, and then they pass it around. And unbeknownst to those 12, those disciples, what they don't know is that they were witnessing the most powerful visual illustration of all of Jesus' ministry, probably the most powerful illustration in all of history. Jesus, what he was doing is he was foreshadowing what was going to happen the remainder of that night. Like the bread, his body would be broken his skin would be pierced it would break it would be split by the whip and the thorns and the nails and as a consequence of the inflictions that were were given to him in his body there was blood and so he took this cup and like the wine he poured it out in wine and he passed it around symbolizing the blood that would flow from him that was soon to come and as Christians we make a big deal about Jesus' blood don't we? we have songs and we have rituals and we have things that we do like, you know, we have verses that we quote about Jesus's blood. And when you think about it, it's actually kind of disturbing, right? It's almost barbaric. And yet we cannot fully appreciate what Christ did on Good Friday until we first understand our desperate, and I mean desperate need for Christ's blood. It's not just central to the events of Good Friday. It is centric to our entire Christian faith. Any doctor, any nurse would tell you that blood is life. It sustains life, it saves lives. And I'll just shoot straight with you. Me personally, I have never donated blood. Right? I just I haven't I haven't done it. And there's a reason for that. It's because I'm deathly afraid of needles. I am. You could punch me in the face, I'll be fine with that. Shoot me with a gun. It's better than a needle inside of my arm. I don't want that. In fact, as a kid, this is this is the truth. I would go to the dentist and I would have him drill on my cavities without putting the Novocaine in, simply because I would rather take that pain than have a needle inside of my mouth. So you understand why. I've never donated blood. But I hear that when people donate blood, it's for a reason, right? It's to help brave people who are not afraid of needles. They donate blood to help. And each one of us have a blood type. You know, um, I was talking with my wife a little while back. We don't know what my blood type is because I've never donated blood. I may not even have blood. We don't even know. My wife's blood type is A positive. It fits. A plus, it's exactly hurt. But what's important is when you're in need of blood, you need to find a match. Because without it, you're not going to make it. If you have an infection, you're not gonna make it past that infection unless you get the right type of blood. And in a very spiritual sense, all of us are carrying an infection in our blood in our heart, it's in our veins, it's in our lives, and it is called sin. And God knew that unless there was a willing donor, a perfect match, someone with the right type, someone without infection, someone who is pure and perfect, who is willing to give us a complete transfusion, our lives would end in death and thus separation. Well, that is why Good Friday is good is because 2,000 years ago, a willing donor stepped forward. And he was perfect. He did nothing wrong. And he had the only type of blood, the perfect match that could help us and sustain us and save us. You want to know what Jesus' blood type is? It's forgiveness. It is forgiveness. Matthew tells us this. He says, then he, Jesus, Took the cup, the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many, for here it is the forgiveness of sin. Unfortunately, Jesus was not afforded a hospital room. He didn't get to sit on a reclining chair, it wasn't a quick poke, he didn't get a stress ball. Right? His donation of blood happened on history's greatest instrument of torture. A cross that is designed to suffocate through exhaustion. And Jesus said, do this. Do what? Eat of the bread. Remember the wine. Drink of the wine. And when you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And what Jesus was saying in that moment with his disciples was, he said, Guys, don't forget this. What I'm about ready to do, don't forget this. And do it as a reminder and remember me in this. And that, friend, is why we take communion. That's the whole point of it. It's to remember. The tragedy that we have is that sometimes when we take communion, we do it mindlessly. And we just think of it as that ritual that we go through. Tonight, I would love it if you would take communion and remember the body that was broken for you and the blood that was spilled out. And so we're going to continue to worship. And up on the side, up on the front here, is going to be open for the entire time, but there's a communion station where you can take the bread and you can take the wine. And when you dip that bread in, when you're going to take that, remember what Jesus has done for us. And so let's continue to worship him now and know that these communion stations are open.
2: Mark 14, 32 to 42. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayers before. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know what to say. When he returned to them the third time, he said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But no, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here.
1: From his uh, last meal that Jesus had he led his disciples to an old olive grove a garden that literally and ironically means oil press is what it means and the crucifixion it wouldn't happen for hours the suffering though started right here right in this place this is where the suffering started on a heart level on an emotional level One of Jesus' friends just betrayed him. The rest of the disciples, as Chris read, can't stay awake. He goes back to them over and over again and says, Stay up with me, but they keep falling asleep. And he knows what's about ready to happen that Peter, one of his dear friends, is about ready to betray him. He feels alone. Jesus feels alone in this moment and he feels overwhelmed. Look at what he says. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Luke's gospel says that Jesus actually began to sweat blood. It's what medical, it's a medical rarity basically called hemodr. I you know it's so funny. I practiced that so I could say it right. Hemotidrosis is what it is. Hemotidrosis. And doctors and scientists don't uh, they don't know much about this condition because it's only ever happened in history recorded about 25 times, right around in there. But what they do know is in each instance, it's come with great suffering. Immense stress is what's going on. And so Jesus is suffering. It started right here before the scourging, before the cross, it's anticipatory grief. Matthew tells us, and he was there, he was sleeping, but he was there. He said, going a little farther, he fell. Jesus fell with his face to the ground and prayed. He prayed this three times. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taking, taken from me. And the cup he was referring to is the suffering." that he was about ready to endure, what he was about ready to walk through, Jesus knew because he's God what was ahead of him. And so he's asking, is it possible, Lord, Father, is there any other way that we can get to our end goal without going this way? Can you take this cup from me? But check out what Jesus says next. It's amazing. He says, yet in spite of or in light of this cup, yet not my will, but yours be done wow friends that in my opinion is the hardest prayer anyone could possibly pray it requires complete trust it requires courage Jesus basically laid down his preference his life for us for me for you and maybe you're here and you believe in God, maybe you've believed in God for a long time and you've been following him for years, but have you placed all your trust in him? Have you put it all in front of him? Because you think I can manage it on my own or I can take care of this or I can take care of that. Maybe tonight it is time to do exactly what Jesus modeled and that is to say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done not my will but your will be done i can tell you from personal experience that's the hardest prayer any of us can pray it is laying everything down all of our needs all of our wants all of our desires every bit of ourselves and saying lord i trust you more than i trust myself i trust where you will lead me where then i can take me i can't handle this and maybe you're here and you're like no i can't handle what's going on in my life and it's a scary thing to say hey I'm gonna lay it at your feet, Lord. It's not my will, it's not what I want. And I don't know what your circumstance may be, but maybe tonight is it. Maybe it's time to simply lay it down and say, not my will, Lord, but yours be done in every aspect of my life. Not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will. And so here's how we're gonna respond to this. Let's take an opportunity to pray. And you can pray in whatever way that you desire. In fact, if you need to get up and you need to move to the aisles or even come down to the front here, to the altar and kneel, feel free to do that. If you need to pray with someone, I'm actually saying, go ahead, tap the person next to you and say, will you pray with me? We're a family. If you want to stand up and raise your hands and pray and say, Lord, I give you it all. Symbolically, I drop it. I surrender. Not my will, but thy will be done. Then do so. Over this next song, as we sing it, my request, my desire, my hope for you is that you would simply lay it all on the ground. You'd lay it all at his feet as Jesus Christ did for us when he said, not my will, but your will, Father. Whatever it takes. And Jesus knew what it took, And it took a lot. It took his life. And so let's continue to remember and to worship. And let's pray to him now. And I'll say it one more time. Not my will, but thy will be done. Eventually, we find Jesus standing in front of the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, in a hostile crowd. And the crowd is asking for two things. They're asking, as Mary said, for the release of Barabbas. And they're asking that Jesus would be crucified. Those are what he's asking. Pilate, wanting to keep the peace and wanting there not to be trouble. He basically washes his hands of the situation and then surrenders to to their will, to the will of the crowd. And so on Friday, on Good Friday from early in the morning till 3 p.m., Jesus took beatings. He took relentless mockings and he went through utter humiliation. People treated him, Jesus, the author of love and the author of life like garbage. Like a sinner, like a criminal. They spat on him. They pulled out his beard. They made a fake crown of thorns and they stuck it on his royal head. They eventually threw a wooden beam on top of his back, probably weighing around 300 pounds. And they whipped him like a mule to carry this beam up a hill called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. When they got there, they didn't hesitate. They laid him down on that beam and they drove stakes through his hands, his wrists, and then through his feet. And then they raised him on a cross for all to see and to watch as he labored for each breath. In order to breathe, he had to push down on the nails and pull up to grab a breath. And then if he let down, he couldn't breathe. So he had to push himself back up in order to get the breath that he needed. Do you know what the second most shocking verse in the entire Bible is? I share this every Good Friday. This is it. Isaiah 53.10 says, yet it was the will or the desire of the Lord, of the Father, look at this, you guys, to crush him. And to cause him, Jesus, the Son, to suffer. I can't comprehend that. As a father, as a dad, I can't comprehend that. I can't comprehend the idea to allow even my children to experience suffering. I try to take suffering away from them. And yet, the Father literally puts down his good and holy and perfect Son, he lets him go down there to be murdered to be mocked and ridiculed. Why would he do this? Why? Well, the answer is found in the most shocking verse in the Bible. Do you know what that is? For God so loved the world. That's us. That's me. That's you. That's all of us here. That's every human who's ever existed. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his one and only son. The answer is... For love. Love, love, love. The ultimate will of the Father was love. That's why. Friends, I am convinced that the cross, which was designed for an instrument of torture, has become the most powerful symbol of love this planet has ever seen. The most powerful symbol. It's amazing what Christ did on that cross for us. I want to read one more verse, but please forgive me if my version is a tad different from yours. Here's what it is. Isaiah 53, 5. It says, He, being Jesus, talking about Jesus, was pierced for Jake Gertza's transgression. He was crushed for Jake Gertza's iniquities. Friends, It's right there. It's my fault. It is my greed and my sin and my selfishness and my shame. It was my burden to bear. But the verse goes on. It says, Upon him, Jesus, was the punishment that brought Jake Gertza peace. And by his wounds, Jake Gertza is healed. Friends, if I could, I would come down. And I would read that verse to you, just me and you. And I'd put your name in there, Kathy. And I would read it because it's that personal. And Dave, I'd put your name in there because it's that personal. I'd come down to each and every single one of you, if I could, and I would read that. We are healed you are healed. I am healed by his wounds and his stripes. It was our sin, you guys, my sin, your sin. It is very, very personal. But we have a personal God who stepped out of heaven when he didn't have to, to take our place. But the the sad thing that we end up doing is that we end up taking that sin back upon our shoulders, don't we? When it was paid for on the cross, we end up taking it back onto our shoulders. And so here's how we're gonna respond for the last two songs that we have. Is that we have a cross here. And in front of you is parchment. And you can write on there, I want you to write down the burden, the sin that you keep picking back up that Christ has already given his blood for. And you may have done this at another church or in another place, but I want you to write it down on that piece of paper. And over the next two songs, you can come up here, there's hammers and there's nails, and you put it on here so it'll stay on here. When Christ took our sin, the sins of the world, it was everything, every sin that had been done and every sin that will be done. There's no reason for us to pick up the habit again. We are new creations in Christ. And so let's do that. Let's respond in that manner. Let's write our burdens. Let's write those things down and say, Lord, I want to give you this. I don't want to pick it up anymore because his blood, his beautiful, precious blood covered it. Friends, that's why Good Friday is good because he was so good to us on that cross. And so let's respond in that way now. Let's worship him and thank him for what he has done And let's put our sin on the cross and never pick it up again because he's already taken care of it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's continue.